0: You, babe. So I'm gonna put you down
1: for a while. Hello. My name is Tom Chick. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast. Dude. Kind of a slow, laid-back opening, I think.
0: Yeah. Appropriate.
1: Uh, I, am, I am joined by Christian uh, Mer- Marinet Marinetsky. Christian Marinetsky is here with us. Christian Morris, no relation. <laughs> Kelly Wand, is there a tagline that would be appropriate for an Ides of March podcast?
0: Yeah. I got one. Okay, uh it involves a little setup though. Okay. Uh, I've never I've never worked for Disney, surprisingly. But um when Tron Legacy came out, I was talking to a friend of mine who'd seen it and I went, "Wasn't it awesome when the main character said Dostoevsky?" And he went, "Actually, I really liked it, but my mom had died the day before, so it just felt kind of good to, you know, not have to think about anything." So then I was thinking, that's how you could that's the perfect line to put on the poster for us. Tron Legacy, best movie to watch after the death of a parent since Lion King or Bambi or Dumbo.
1: It's now, how are you Disney- Right? How are you going to bring this around to uh, Ides of March, or or are you uh,
0: even? No.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, I, w- I will say uh, uh, the latest Lars von Trier movie, Kelly Wand, <sighs> is ta- it's tailor made uh, for you to make a tagline reference. I'm just
0: Antichrist? throwing that out there.
1: No, uh, Melancholia. Melancholia.
0: Yeah. Wait, the title is or the movie that comes after the
1: title. Uh taglines figure prominently into part of the movie. Someone is uh being badgered about a tagline. And I was like, Oh, Kelly Wan should see this.
0: Would, and is the tagline the character comes up with awesome? Uh is
1: it, it is m- No, it's what you would expect from No no, <laughs> it is exactly what you would expect from a large Von Trier movie. The tagline oh. reveal. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> you can
0: you can oh. piece that together. Yeah. Mm. Is that your tagline for my tagline? And does that have anything to do with Ides of March, what you just said?
1: You know what? It doesn't, but here, I do want to say this. Uh, You know, yeah, so okay, if you've you've seen Ides of March, I mean, if you haven't seen Ides of March and you don't want it spoiled, stick around for a minute. Uh, This is like the non-Ides of March-related talk. Uh, uh, We saw a movie called Take Shelter recently. We all loved it, and I don't want to say too much about it because it would spoil it. However, if you get around to listening to the podcast... We had a bit of a disagreement, which was a little exciting, about how to interpret the movie. Uh, and at one point, Dingus called me out, rightly so, by the way, for me stating that interpretation A... Is more dramatically interesting than interpretation B, and dramatically interesting is sort of a wussy way to put it. It doesn't really mean anything, and uh, and Dingus called me out for that, and I think that was a good point, and and it forced me to sort of think about what I meant, and we had a good conversation about it. But I just want to say, in support of the point that I was making, <laughs> Lars von Trier's Melancholia. If you want to see the <laughs> less the less dramatic. Version of a dramatically interesting version of what Take shelter is, and take shelter is a fantastic movie. Uh, See melancholia, and that makes that makes my case perfectly. Kelly Wand yeah, Jesus.
2: (laughs) So did you? I guess that this week, Tom. Do what? Did you just watch Melancholia this week?
1: Yeah, so Melancholia did a weird thing. Uh, It has a theatrical release. You know, it made a splash at the Cannes Film Festival, not by any uh, merits of the movie, but by Lars von Trier saying some fairly clumsy things about about Nazis, and that gives you a lot of press. Uh, So Melancholia does have a theatrical release next month. Um, However, they did a a really odd thing where it was available this past weekend. I mean, it's now available for uh, video on demand. You know, you can watch it for 10 bucks on Amazon right now before it even hits the theaters. Uh, you know, you couldn't do that with a, a big major release because the, the theater chains would be angry. But a little arthouse movie like this, I think Magnolia is the name of the company that distributes it. They were like, yeah, we don't care about the chains. Let's let's release it a month early. Let people watch it video on demand. So uh, I would almost recommend, I didn't care for it, but if you're looking forward to Melancholia, I would almost recommend waiting until it, it comes to the theaters because it's one of those things where I was like, this
0: this deserves a large screen
1: presentation at times.
0: Um, i i just want to say i didn't think that your interpretation and dingus's were mutually exclusive i think it's not
1: (laughs) as the proponent of one of those interpretations i did feel that they were and (laughs) let's not and and good lord kelly wand i I don't know how to bleep things on podcasts but that was really
0: uh inappropriate can mean anything (laughs) i know uh it's people just hear whatever i say and just sort of tune it out like static (laughs)
1: <laughs> Maybe I will try to figure out a way to bleep things.
0: Uh, <laughs> that'll that'll, that'll be my thing. everything they say, and <laughs> they'll go, yeah, he sounded like this, and that all recordings of my voice will just be bleeps. Uh, so let's talk about this week's movie.
1: Uh, oh, and also, again, real quick, not Ides of March related. Uh, when I went to see Ides of March, there was a trailer beforehand for uh, Jay Edgar, which I was excited about until I saw who the director was. Uh, Jay wait, Ed- wait, who is it? It's a fellow named Clint Eastwood. Uh, Jay Edgar, there's the long uh, trailer for it. I didn't watch it. I closed my eyes. Uh, it looks like one of those um, those sort of tour de force Leonardo DiCaprio performances that, uh, that you can kind of take for granted uh. easily enough. I know. I know. I'm the same way. But I didn't want to watch the trailer. Uh, so I closed my eyes and my ears, and as soon as it was over, and I looked up and saw it was Clint Eastwood, and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. There was an older couple behind me. Um, who had watched the trailer, and the fella leans over to his wife, and and he thinks he's whispering, but it's one of those things where I think he's old enough that his voice carries stage it. whisper, not stage whisper, old person whisper, where he right right, which comes is pretty much full voice, and he says to his wife, he was gay, you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> I love old people.
2: I hope they stay around <laughs> forever. That's awesome. That was uh, we uh, there gay. was a. Um, there was I a like the overall, cover, but... uh, <laughs> documentary we watched when I was in college and, and there was an old person in the documentary and, and her in the, in that little interview moment with the, with this random old person, she said he was a gay boy. <laughs> Wait, uh, people was
0: was that that in or... the theater at when you saw at the end, it was Clint actually asking
2: that of Sandra Locke in front of you.
1: You you kind of lost me there,
2: Kellywan. <laughs> By the way, Tom, uh, your description of that is basically my whole audience for watching Eyes of March. Not Bye. gay, but a lot of old people talking loudly and having their phones go off.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. I had that too. Same, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like super loud dumbasses, like, God, the old people, you'd think there'd be this, the, it, you'd go, you know, okay, finally, Ides in March, a movie I don't have to worry about, fucking riffraff, young dumbasses, kids screaming, it's like, it was as bad as anything, <laughs> there's no safety, I was in the back row, too, and it's deafening, like, oh, yeah, my, my roid burst.
1: I actually did have to turn around and ask the, the older couple who the the fellow had pointed out that Jay Edgar was – he was gay, you know. I actually did have to turn around during the movie and say, excuse me, it's kind of distracting when you talk. Would you please not do that? I, just, I had the same thing. This must be a perfect movie for very talkative uh, older folks, I'm, I'm guessing. That's or
0: at least say of-
2: less dumb shit. Like say something I, would, I wouldn't mind overhearing, like. I, don't know. I, I had people gasping. I had this weird sort of beeper going off that sounded like somebody's pacemaker or something. At, at first I thought it was a phone going off, and I was like, come on! And all these old people looked at me like, Argh. and I think it was somebody's what? pacemaker. I don't know, it was very
0: weird. Wait, they glared at you like they glared at Tom when he asked the woman <laughs> to silence her baby, and he got booed and thrown <laughs> garbage at. It was definitely <laughs> analogous to that, but not so... Yeah, there's no safe age to... Ask someone to be quiet. At <laughs> you're the asshole. Uh,
1: the fellow who this, uh, who I eventually had to shush who announced the thing about J Edgar Hoover. As soon as the movie starts, he leans over and says to his wife, "That's Ryan Gosling." Uh, <laughs> and he said it when it was Tom Cruise on screen. But at least he got the actor right. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. By the way, was I? I don't think I know this. Was J Edgar Hoover gay or just a crossdresser? I
0: thought he just wore women. Right. That's what I thought. Too. Yeah. I thought he was yeah. just a crossdresser.
1: I don't think so this guy was incorrect. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: It's like the guy oh, who said follow is the documentary in front of Dingus. But Harry Cohen Wait, was Harry- his lover, right? Dingus knows a lot about this. I wonder why that is.
1: <laughs> I think Dingus is trolling us. Dingus, why don't you tell us about Ives of March in non spoiler language so that folks who are still around who are maybe thinking, hey, should I see this Ives of March? And by the way, what is it? Dingus, why don't you speak to those folks right now and give them a little little taste of what this movie was?
2: All right. Well, this week we saw The Ides of March, Mm. a 2011 American political drama movie Mm. about a junior campaign manager trying to help his candidate win the Ohio primary. (sighs) (laughs) Stay awake. Somebody, Somebody wake up Kelly Wand. I the mean, politics is awesome. <laughs> it's a it's a drama movie, Kelly. Political drama movie. A political <laughs> drama. A stand- okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna redo that. Political drama thriller movie. Are you with me now?
0: Whoa, I don't know that I'm gonna stand for that. It was a love
1: story. I'm not hearing
0: any romance mentioned.
1: And I know. Right, so- I will not stand for the word thriller being used here, Dingus. I'm sorry.
2: The film was directed Threat- by George Clooney and written by him and Grant yeah. Heslov. Yay. And- Bo uh, Willimon, based on Bo Willimon's play, Farragut North*. Mm. The film stars Ryan Gosling, Evan Rachel Wood, Marissa Tomei, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Paul Giamatti, George Clooney, and several cell phones. The movie is rated R.
1: Man, that sounds fantastic, yeah, except for the bit about the cell phones, Dingus. Yeah,
2: the love scene must be really steamy. I can't wait. The, the movie is rated, rated R for pervasive language, meaning about 75 bucks.
1: Not seventy-five. Is that really is that number. Is that a verifiable number, Dingus?
2: It's between fifty and seventy-five. I haven't, I haven't clocked it. Okay, but it's zero visible fucks. Uh, there's no nudity. It's just pervasive language. No violence. Yeah. Just pervasive language. No thematic violence, Just pervasive language. All right. Well, uh, before
1: Kelly Wan gets in here and ruins it, I just want to let you know we are now going to do spoiler talk. Uh, so if you have not seen Ides of March and you don't want to know, uh, you, you might want to bail, uh, Kelly want, (laughs) why don't you now give us a synopsis of everything that happens in Ides of March, uh, so that there's no confusion
0: about like what is and isn't a spoiler. Just spoil it all. Oh, that's why I'm doing it. I'm doing it as a public service, Mm -hmm. not just to say a bunch of random shit. I wrote baked after seeing a George Clooney movie. I'm doing this as that works too. Yeah um okay so the guy from drive is playing david axelrod but his name is ryan gosling and he's helping a guy named michael moore run for president except in this movie michael moore looks like george clooney and can get laid by a 20 year old and fred thompson's black and a democrat whom clooney doesn't want as his ally because thompson once said he wants to shave off the top 10 floors of the u.n when asked how he felt about climate change regulation. But he does want him because he also has 320 super delegates who also think the U.N. building's too high. I can relate. And the stripper from The Wrestler is now a reporter. But here she doesn't sleep with anybody because, A, she's wearing glasses, and, two, uh, the real money's in typing stuff on the Internet, like Brad Pitt says Jennifer Aniston's boring and some shit we sent into orbit in the 70s fell into the ocean as vaguely planned. And fan throws a hot dog at Tiger Woods, which means he's not a fan. And guy signed to replace philandering hot tub aficionado sitcom character caught cheating on real life wife and non-fictional hot tub. Will be replaced by Gene Simmons and then Hugh Grant. Curiously, in this movie, Marissa Tomei's character's name is Ida, but the movie takes place in October. Meanwhile, the daughter of the wrestler is now an intern named Mary. See, because it's the same character from this, but later. Only now she's straight, which we know because she can't tie a tie, which isn't taught in the household of the DNC chairman, who's her father. (laughs) Meanwhile, Ryan Gosling's a craftily lisping idealist who doesn't believe in getting his hands dirty, except when it helps his candidate. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's his boss, and his character's even more idealistic because he's the only one in the whole office not banging Mary, the 20-year-old intern, whose name Gosling can't remember when he's scamming her, even though her dad's the DNC chairman. So you'd think he'd know her name. And Paul Giamatti's the more pear-shaped Ryan Gosling counterpart for another Democratic primary candidate named after a railroad car. And that guy's primed to win the primary. mary because he promised Fred Thompson if he gets elected he could be undersecretary of U.N. roof removal. So meanwhile, Governor Senator Clooney's doing a town hall meeting for a Facebook live chat fundraising podcast to protest the commercialization of Occupy Wall Street, and a fat chick waddles up to the mic and goes, wait, sorry, (coughs) (laughs) Clooney's the one who goes, yes, the woman holding the microphone currently, and she goes, Yeah, um, in Ocean's 12, when Julia Roberts' character robbed the Monte Carlo Casino by pretending to be Julia Roberts the actress, were you also playing yourself, or would that have been almost as dumb? And he's all, I am neither a Christian nor a Muslim, nor am I here at all. I worship only the Constitution. And that only through human sacrifice upon the giant pyramid with an eye on it that I guess represents democracy. Beats the show to me. But yes, I believe evolution should be a civil rights issue, but it should be for the (laughs) tastes fucked it up. Yes, I believe evolution should be a civil rights issue, but it should be for the states to decide, if not the counties. Or better yet, street by street, based on coin flips or dreams. And yes, Jennifer Aniston is boring, but who isn't? You're welcome. Um, yes, the gentleman bleeding under the wheelchair that just clattered down the aisle and launched him across the orchestra pit into the drum set. You dead? I always have time to address your constituency. And the guy goes, uh, she stole my question, uh, about Ocean's Twelve. Thanks. <laughs> so, meanwhile, uh, Gosling's at work in the office. Now we're up to this third scene of the movie. Gosling's at work in the office because they run the whole campaign out of one office, like in Taxi Driver. And uh, he hands Jay Baruchel some files to be faxed into the teleprompter for Clooney's speech later after the Super Bowl. And Gosling reviews it and goes, hmm, not bad. Only maybe rewrite that last part so the governor says, I'm not you. I am a witch because that's a twofer. And Jay Baruchel goes, okay, uh. But the thing about Jamadi's candidates' kids being abominations, born of incest by date-raping plague rats, isn't that how Republicans breed? And Gosling laughs and goes, no, plague rats are too finicky. And the wrestler daughter comes into his office and goes, hi, I'm the hot intern who's worked 10 feet away from you for months now. I'm in your office saying words. These are my tits. And he's all, oh, yeah, we met at that straw poll in Iowa. Didn't we have sex there on stage between tornadoes? And she's all... Uh, We were about to, but when I came back from the restroom, you were passed out on top of Chris Christie in a pool of vomit and sex. And Gosling's all, yeah, fucking Iowa. Now I remember. While I was passed out, I also dreamed I ate a giant marshmallow. When I woke up, my pillow was gone. Man, those were some times. And she's all, we're young and good looking. Let's get a drink later before we have sex. And he goes, I got a better idea. What do you say you drink something I mixed for you from inside me? little salty. Dash of red. And she's all, wow, I see where the governor gets his sound bites. Then she walks out, and he stares at us for a few seconds. Then his new cell phone rings, and Paul Giamatti, who somehow has this new cell phone number, even though the phone just came out of a cardboard box, goes, hey, meet me for a drink later, too. So Gosling goes to that meeting, but it's only for a job offer, so he bails on that shit for the intern tryst. So they have sex while watching Clooney give a speech on TV about how the line between politics and sex with interns is more like a dot to him. (laughs) Kind of like that joke. Then she gets tired and falls asleep with her phone between their genitals. Because that's how he rolls. But then it rings again at 3 a.m., For the first time, I should point out. But he thinks it's his because it's in her butt instead of his where hers is. And he answers it and goes, Gosling here. And he hears Clooney go, hey, I'm calling about the $900 abortion you wanted. Uh, I know you said your insurance won't cover it because they consider it cosmetic. And I know you're Catholic or Jewish or whatever the fuck. But if we go to a death panel, that's only 750 dollars with my CVS discount. And Gosling goes, governor? And Clooney's all, Gosling? I mean, uh... Uh, wrong number, this isn't me, bye. So Gosling hangs up and goes, you banged the governor and got pregnant and still made me wear a rubber? And she's all, I didn't mean to, he asked me to handle his poll numbers, but I thought he meant with two L's. And Gosling's all, why is he calling you at 3 a.m.? Wouldn't it be less risky for him to have an underling do it, like Hoffman's character? And she's all, because I need abortion money. We just went over that. Also, we like to watch reruns of Saved by the Bell together while we're on the phone. It turns him on. I guess he sees a little of himself in Screech. And Gosling's all, I wish you'd seen a little less of himself in you. And she's all, you kind of did that joke earlier, to similar effect. Look, we're still getting married, right? There's a few other things I haven't told you, but unless you hate mixed-race children and chlamydia, I really think we're over the hump. I've never felt this way before, after sex so brief and utilitarian. And he's all, wait... Your dad's the DNC chairman, and you can't scrape together 900 bucks? And she's all, Can't we just pretend the baby's yours? And he's all, Man, I thought politics was nobler than this, based on every news story I've ever read. So he confesses to Philip Seymour Hoffman about his pointless meeting with Paul Giamatti. So Hoffman tells Marissa Tomei that a pointless meeting occurred so she can report it to the masses who give a shit about primaries in Ohio. Then he's all gosling. you fired for taking the meeting with Paul Giamatti. That's my Philip Seymour Hoffman, obviously. Uh, Unless you did it just to milk him for intel on his candidate for us, which would make sense, in which case I should promote you. And Gosling's all, nah, it was for a job offer. The commute would have blown. Speaking of which, you know that intern Mary? And Hoffman's all, look, kid. My first job was in Kentucky when Colonel Sanders was running for general. We lost that race, but he remembered my loyalty and also my propensity for air sickness, thus the buckets. But you're fired. I can't trust someone who meets with the enemy and tells me everything that transpired, which was nothing. So Gosling goes to Jamadi and goes, hire me. I hate everyone, especially myself. And Jamani's all, no, I don't want someone who did exactly what I wanted working for me. So Gosling goes to a hotel room, and a janitor's hanging out in there with the intern's body, because the janitor left the door open, even though hotel doors don't stay open. And in case any guests in the hallway want to see this corpse (laughs) in the hotel, and the janitor looks up, and he's all, she's gone to the strange man who's just entered the room. And Gosling's all, bullshit, I can see your feet right by the bed. And the janitor goes, no, I mean dead. Still pretty, though. Still pretty. And Gossin goes, pretty? What are you, a doctor? Wait, what are you, a doctor? See? And the Janners all know, but since I'm not a cop either, there's her phone on the bed with your name on the screen. Go ahead and take it. I'm not suspicious when a traumatized, handsome dude I've seen blowing smoke up people's asses on national television every night for months barges into an unlocked suite with a dead intern in it. I probably won't say shit to the press about you showing up at all with a guilty expression on your face either. So Gosling calls Clooney during a press conference that's been set up for him to proudly announce how little he knows the interns he's sleeping with. And since Gosling's the only guy in the room of 300 pundits, political hacks, and officials who's holding a cell phone right then, Clooney's <laughs> abortion, it <laughs> shoots all the way to Tope. And Gosling... I know, huh? And Gosling, even though he has the intern's incriminating voicemails and medical records showing she had an abortion that day, cleverly forgets all that evidence and tells Clooney in the open back kitchen of an olive garden after hours that they both know how to find without anybody following them, that the intern left a suicide note, which is bullshit, although he could have just forged one anyway, as opposed to lying verbally about its existence. So Clooney's all, okay, obviously I can trust you. In fact, you're the perfect employee. So he fires Hoffman, who tricks him by not having dirt on him as well, or expressing an interest in figuring out what the fuck Gosling just pulled. And Marissa Tomei chases Gosling down in an airport concourse till they get to some TSA agents. And they're all, Sorry, miss, this is a high school gymnasium or something. Drop the bottled water nice and slow. Only press allowed. And she's all, Uh, I am press, fool. Wait, Gosling, why am I hounding you again? You never tell me shit, and we're not sleeping together. And Gosling's all, You're my best friend. I mean, at least after this dead intern I met a few days ago named M-something. Oh, and Albert Brooks. And she's all, wait, explain to me again how free scholarships for 18-year-olds are good because 18-year-olds are too young to vote, even though the voting age is 18. Does that make sense later? Or is it like in Final Destination, whenever they figure out the order they're dying in, but then it never matters because death doesn't use the metric system or some kind of shit? And Gosling's all, becoming president means having to do a lot of stuff that'll make you hate yourself right before you go on camera, sometimes radio. Sometimes. Someday. Sometimes. Maybe society will understand whatever I just said, and cameras will be replaced by the soil of a man's heart. And she's all, wait, what? Who do I even write for? Am I like the Jude Law character in Contagion, but even less resolved? What was my art? Not uncovering anything? In either sense. But he's already putting an earbud in, and Matt Lauer's all... And fuck it, we'll do it live. So Gosling, according to the most recent Gallup polls, the question of the series, everybody's literally dying to know just how boring does the governor find Jennifer Aniston? And Gosling goes, one sec, and he holds up a micro recorder, and he goes, note to self, just hire uglier interns. The end.
1: Now, Kelly, I want to ask you a question. I want you to tell me the truth. Do you have any more of those crispy crab cakes? Ugh. Okay, what line is that from? And that's to Kelly Wand and to Dingus. Anyone know? No Way Out or Human Centipede 2? Uh, that's close. Uh, there's a great scene in Bulworth where, uh, where William Beatty, or, well, <laughs> Warren Beatty is having his breakdown <laughs> uh, during a speech, and he stops the catering woman. He's like, Miss, Miss, I want to ask you a question. I want you to tell me the truth. Do you have any more
0: of those little crispy crab cakes? Uh, He's from the streets. That's what we learned about him in that scene. Actually no, we like, don't. He uh, goes to the streets in Bulworth. Uh,
1: so okay, uh, Kelly Wan, good good synopsis. Um, uh, I, I see you're you're hugely fond of this movie from the synopsis. Is that correct?
0: Um, well, you're not supposed to be able to tell anything about from the synopsis. It's
1: just ah, good like point. It. Right, it's because uh, it's like a character you're doing.
0: Yeah. I'm actually really not baked at all and I'm really smart and thoughtful <laughs> about movies.
1: Kelly Wan, I just you like, to um, where you've received your training? Afghanistan. Uh, this podcast. <laughs> uh, gotcha. right. well let's let's put you out there first, Kelly Wan. What did you think of Ides of March and why is it called that?
0: I don't know. But that's my answer to the second question. My answer to the question is uh, I was kind of liking it as a thriller, like, no way out. And then at the end, I went, oh, he's making a point. Mm. Because then I was thinking, because I was, was, when I was watching it, I'm all, oh, he just needs to blackmail Clooney. And then he's like, I was ahead of the character. And then at the end, I was like, oh, now what's he going to do that's unexpected? And then the movie ends. Like, I thought he was going to go on, and then the last shot was going to be him doing a mea culpa on screen. Go, all right, fuck the system. Here's the real deal. Abortion, suicide, blackmail, epox pox on all your houses. And then he becomes president. Okay. Like Ryan Goff. That's my ending. But so, It's a minor clip compared to good night and good luck, which is to me way better than this movie. Uh,
1: dingus, do you concur? Or are you going to refute that? I don't know what I'm refuting. <laughs> is, I, <guess> I concur <laughs> with that. <laughs> is this as good as uh, good night and good luck? Cause I know you're, oh, you're hugely like that. Yeah. Are you crazy? Is it
0: even as good as... Is this uh,
2: on the cell phone? Prank call! Prank call! (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right, so that's from Pulp Fiction. I've done a Bullworth quote. Kelly Wand, can you throw in something from Star Wars?
0: Uh, I can do a quote of you while you're watching the news in Green Hornet, because you're (laughs) you're bored by a Green Hornet, and you're all, 50 killed a coal mine accident.
2: Did you just ask me if this is as good as... Good night and good luck. Well Kelly One said it's
1: not as good as Good Night and Good Luck, and I was just wondering if you would refute that. Same writing team, uh, Grant Hesloff and George Clooney, I think, did a fantastic job with the script for Good Night and Good Luck. And then yes, Clooney, they did. Clooney directed it. So we have the same writing team. We but have
2: they're filtered through the experience of men who stare at goats. Yeah. I like I agree with that. I don't know what that means. I don't know. That means that no. Grant Heslov wrote and directed that movie and they both worked on it. And so I think that they're on the other side of a different. <laughs> that,
1: that, that's, that experience somehow transformed them. And it that, that, ex- that explains what, what's going on with Ides of March.
0: They were yes. the goats. They goaded to themselves.
1: Dingus Kelly Wand wasn't able to help, but can you tell us why it's called Ides of March? Because the knives come
0: out. So it's the knives of March. <laughs> uh, It's from uh, Macbeth, right? Or one of those...
2: (laughs) 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 Cry Havoc and Let's Slip the Knives of March. Uh,
0: Con! Remember? From uh, Hamlet?
2: Well, the the original play is called Farragut North, which you have every now and then some character goes Farragut North? Yeah, Farragut North. Right. Um, And I imagine they decided to call it Eyes of March because uh, of political suicide. Mm -hmm. matricide, or patricide or murder. Or just political betrayal, I think. Yes, political betrayal. Mm-hmm. And uh, Because Farragut
1: North, I don't know what that is. It's obviously a place, but if I'd known there was a movie called Farragut North, I might have thought it was a horror movie.
0: I would have thought it's a Glengarry Glen Ross spinoff, like a different mm. street. Like a real estate kind of thing. Right. Right. Uh, dingus, uh, obviously. <laughs> we, but Dingus does not refute that vociferously.
1: Well, I'm not going to refute it either. So I think we all agree it's not as good as good night and good luck, which is certainly what I, was, I was hoping for. Um, but I did like
0: it. it. I liked it up to a point. Like, mm-hmm. I liked the first hour, and then I was like, oh, it's getting really good. It's like, what's he going to do? And then he just did what I thought he was going to do. And then,
2: I don't know. Well, Tom, uh, why don't you get in here? What, did you like it from the beginning? No,
1: no. I was, I was pretty much... Uh, I kept waiting for it to happen, and then it ended. Yeah,
0: it's, it wasn't very complex considering, and every, you have all these awesome actors. They only get like one scene each. Like he's, not, it's like Army of Darkness, where it's like he's not interacting with the dead as much. He gets like one scene with Jamati that's good. And
1: well, what threw me is I did not realize it was from a play. Uh, so when the credits popped up, that kind of made a little sense, but it just felt really small. Uh, it yeah. did not to me. I mean, maybe I was maybe I've sort of been conditioned by this idea that all politics is like something Aaron Sorkin would write. Uh, and, and, and there was none of that pacing. There was none of the sense of the scale of the machinery that goes into running a presidential campaign. And when Uh, I see a movie with George Clooney, I kind of expect it's going to have a budget to do that. Uh, and maybe that's an unfair expectation on my part, but this really did feel like a very small movie that, uh, was based on a play. And I'd, I was not prepared for that, and I don't think the play was particularly good. Um, I, because I think of, there are so many better movies about what the political process does to a person's ideals, Bullworth being one of them. Uh, I think the quintessential movie is The Candidate, with Robert Redford and Peter Boyle. Um, and I just feel this movie is nowhere near in league with those. So I, I was pretty disappointed with it.
0: I'm bummed when, movies, when I realize a movie is trying to make a point to me. Instead of just like, oh, it's about this dude and Mm -hmm. what he's going to do. Like, like, right. It's like, oh, Gosling's learned. He's had, he's disillusioned now. Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) what planet was he on? Big fucking deal. What happens now? Is he, I mean, maybe this guy, like from the ending, can we assume that Clooney's going to be the best or worst president ever, even if he banged an intern?
2: I can right? assume that it won't make any difference because of the workaday fuckers. I mean, that's the—that's right. what we can assume. It's not going to make any difference. The system gobbled it up. So, What's Dingus, go,
0: go ahead. Dingus.
1: Well, I was going to say, Dingus, what what point did you feel that it was making, and did it seem like a worthwhile point to build a George Clooney movie around?
2: I, I think it was. Uh, I, I you know, part of me can't. Think why would you use this? Because it feels like just a, a pot boiler. It feels like Gene, Gene Hackman is president who murdered his wife, and how are we <laughs> going to cover that movie? You know, that absolute power movie that was so so horrible in the eighties. Cat burglar, and it just feels like why are you wasting your talents on this? And part of it is George Clooney just wants to stand up and say Republicans are dicks a few times. I think. Um, well, well, for the whole beginning of the movie. One of the most upsetting things to me is that you don't – you have a bunch of dialogue, and I wrote a bunch of notes, and I can't attribute any line to any one person. It's just – anybody could have said any of these lines. There's no sense of individuality whatsoever at the beginning. It's just – we're just throwing a bunch of lines out, and and kind of what Tom said. It's this – Aaron Sorkin wrote this better and pasted better, and we don't know how to do
1: and I wonder how much of that belongs to the fact that it's a play, you know, that the you know, how slavish was Clooney's and Heslov, how, how slavish was their script to whatever Bo what, will it say, what's his name, Dingus? You mentioned it before. It's Bo Willeman. Bill Willeman, yeah. Uh how much of that is his fault? Uh and should could Clooney and Heslov have have gone a little farther from whatever Willemund wrote? Because I I do kind of think in this this could have and should have been a politically relevant movie. I mean, we're in a point now where there's a, a bit of a backlash. I say a bit. Of, there's some backlash against Obama from people who I think got swept up in the idealism of his campaign. Uh, and his campaign did exactly what it needed to do. And they kind of have a hangover now as they're dealing with the realities of the limitations of the executive branch of government. Uh and I, I think a a movie, a candidate style movie like the candidate, about the difference between a campaign and running uh an office, that how to do things to get to, to get elected you have to do things that are not necessarily that, that that involve compromising your ideals. Getting elected and having ideals are almost mutually exclusive. Uh and the candidate made that point. And I, I kinda think that in this post-Obama election political uh, uh, environment that, that you could do something cool with that. And I would have liked to have seen something done like that. And it just feels like instead we just got this sort of rote adaptation of a, of a fairly modest play that doesn't quite appreciate how it how, how it can tell that story. Like, I would be curious how old the play is. Yeah, um, uh,
0: it's, it's also – well, go on. I was going to agree well,
1: with It, it so. does feel a little dated. It feels like a, a first sort of democratic attempt – at, at, at finding its way around in a post-Carl Rove world. You know, what Rove did with the Republican Party kind of changed the face of politics, and the Democrats are, you know, they had to really adapt. It, it changed some of the rules, uh, and it feels like this is an early response to the rules being changed, and these idealistic Democrats sort of having to adapt to those rules changes. You know, let loose of your ideals in order to get elected. You have to do that. That's going to happen. Uh, and this feels like sort of an, an early run at that kind of message.
0: Uh, yeah, and so and the reason that that it, it, the message was particularly annoying to me was that it's the scandal involves him sleeping with an intern. I mean, that's not that that's if if that was all that uh, a president did that was bad, that's that's nothing. I mean, that doesn't
2: affect my life as a citizen. I mean, well, but he makes that point late though. He's like, you can't fuck the interns. You can do this. You can do this. You can start wars. You can uh, create this and have these awful scandals but you cannot fuck the interns
0: right but if you if the whole thing's about oh moral dissent like this is not i mean compared to like wars and the comedy it's like gigantic things happening that would that presidencies would are would be judged by and are judged by in every election cycle and they don't play any role in it cluny is like a non-denominational character it's like he it, there's just a lot of pussing out well
2: and it, i go, go ahead dingus sorry well, I would argue that that's, that's kind of the point they try to make later in the film that, yeah. uh, that none of those things matter and, and that the, the major things that people in this country care about are fucking interns. And I think the bigger failing of the movie for me is that it's supposed to be a fall from grace movie. And I would ask, do you guys, do either of you, as much as we all love Ryan Gosling, believe this character? That he's that naive at the beginning, but also, well, that smart. believe like that, that, that he's a true, yeah believe that he's a true believer and
0: he has a fall from grace Mm, not as presented no because he wouldn't be good at his job at the beginning if he was as big a rube i mean he's not covering up interns is going to be his homework assignment for the next four years (laughs) He would have to have shown some talent for it before that in his life to to switch sides as quickly and as fluidly as he keeps doing in the movie so it's not really set up correctly
1: I, I agree with yeah, what what Kelly said. Like I think it's not so much that Gosling as an actor isn't believable. I think the the material's just not there to create what should have been a really cool character who ends up having to blackmail his own hero in order to see that hero put in office. Like he uh like that's kind of this cool like out of his own idealism, he needs to betray the guy he respects the most, kind of this fella he looks up to. Um but two of them, in a way, like his own boss, who he considers a friend, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and George Clooney. And and the movie just doesn't support what should have been this really cool shift
0: like that in, in character motivation and, and what it goes through. Um, and he also is – he's uh, uh, many times being driven by circumstances and just playing the best of a bad hand rather than making choices. Like once she dies, there's not really anything else he can do except what he does do. So he's not falling. He's just like following traffic at that point.
1: And like Dinga said, that really did feel. I think Dinga said that really did feel like some cheesy '80s thriller kind of thing. Yeah, but not,
0: not as good. Like less lurid. Like we didn't even get the right. fun part. Because in No Way Out, he bangs in the
2: limo, and then she's new. Like there's, you get a lot of. But of I scandal specifically, I don't know what to do with this character because he's got a couple of, of cursory scenes. There's that scene, the the, the turbulent scene on a plane. Where he's closing his eyes and he's saying, "If you're if you're doing something uh, good, then nothing bad can happen." And and he talks earlier than that about the belief. He just he believes in this guy, uh, but I don't believe any of that based on his behavior, based on his behavior with Molly, or based on his behavior after that. You know, initially with Molly or after. And I just don't understand what the problem with the character is. I don't want to blame Ryan Gosling because I love the guy. But I just don't think that there's any. I guess it's the writing. I mean, yeah, th- it's the this writing. I always just it. doesn't yeah. work at all on any level. Well, look
1: at. Uh, I, I think, like for a clue to that dingus, look at the scene, the little flirtation scene with uh, Evan Rachel Wood or Evan, as I call her, and uh, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I hated that scene, and not because of either of them. They were both trying; they were both sort of bringing the smokiness and that sort of smoldering sexuality that they both can do well. But the dialogue was just so awful in that scene.
0: Yeah, that's supposed to be their first chat. It was like, just, have they never talked before?
1: It was it was, it was, it was yeah. terrible, and I, I just think like if that's going to be, if you have these two really good, invested actors, and the scene is that bad. I did I blame the writing
2: I just I just uh, material's
1: not there for them
2: yeah yeah the the writing is is horrible uh, you know it is horrible I mean I was constantly writing Ugh because you have things like like uh, like Gosling saying after after Phil, Philip Seymour Hoffman says look you all grown up with tits and everything and he says <laughs> i I learned from the best really he learned how to grow tits from the best that's what his I learned from is. the best that's what you got for us really and yeah. There's a there's constantly Shit. lines like that, and I just don't get. You know, this is some one of those things is 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 George Clooney and Grant Haslov doing this, and this is what they choose to sink their teeth into after doing something like Good Night the Luck.
1: And Why? I do think it is because I do think that they they looked at this play and they were like, this is a sort of a post Obama election hangover. Like, there's a point to be made for people who are disillusioned by Obama having to deal with the
0: limitations of the actual presidential office. But it's so – it's not – what was the movie we just saw recently where you said that's not what it – oh, it was Red State where you go, that's not what the Tea Party – like this is a total misrepresentation of of what it's supposed to be lampooning. And that's how I felt during this, like this isn't what the Democrats are going through. It's nothing (laughs) to do – there's no interns. It's way – it's more about it's more about uh, indecisiveness. And like his answers in the interviews are more eloquent Clooney's than like Obama's real things you actually see on the news now.
1: Well, that's part of why I wondered when it was written. Like uh, it, it, the movie seemed really proud of itself for tackling that question that Michael. Yeah, topical. topical. For tackling that question that Michael Dukakis famously dodged about what would he do if his if uh, Kitty was murdered, uh, the movie seemed really proud of itself for having an answer to that, and it's almost like the kind of thing where you're in a fight with someone and then you leave the room, and ten minutes later you're like, oh, I should have said. That. All right, all right. <laughs> and so I'm wondering, like, <laughs> is is this an old movie? Or and then there were bits too, which I thought were a little odd, but like he's he's apparently running on an anti-oil. Platform, which is really uh, untenable. I mean, the, this idea that he has right. it says, like, in the next ten years there will be no internal combustion engines made, and I'm like, that's going to go over really exactly. well with with uh, the
2: automobile industry. Uh,
1: so I, I I don't know if uh, if this is dated material or something. Dingus, do you know offhand how old the play is?
2: Uh, I really don't. I just okay. know, I don't think it's it, that old though.
0: It made it unrealistic that he's not pandering enough. That annoyed, Like that's what the real issue is well and as kelly
1: one said like i i don't I, I don't – it's not uh, what the Democrats are going through right now as far as being like a, a politically relevant movie to what the Democrats and Republicans are going through. It wants to talk about this idea of the Repub- of the Democrats being able to play in a post-Carl Rove environment, but there's nothing going on right now with Democrats slugging it out in primary, right. and that's not part of the current presidential cycle that we're in, which is another reason
2: I wonder if, if it's old. Um, All right, so it's a 2008 play, and it's loosely based on the 2004 2004- – primary of Howard Dean. Okay. Oh,
1: (laughs) Uh, really? That explains a fair amount.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it really does.
1: Well, and I couldn't help but think while watching it, too, is, yeah, this is great and noble and all, whatever, but man, I would much rather see a movie about what the Republicans are going through right now. I know. And that, to me, is just so much more, and I'm going to use this word, and Dingus, you can get after me if you want, because I deserve it. But that, to me, would just be so much more interesting. <laughs> like, I want to see a movie about a wax mormon and some absolutely insane woman from Minnesota married to some gay homophobe dealing uh-huh. with, the, with a Texas governor. Uh, I, I want to – and I, the, the Republicans right now are just this amazing, just movie-worthy circus – uh, uh. And instead, I had to watch this kind of uh, upright, staunch political drama about uh, hand-wringing Democrats.
0: Yeah, we wish it was this bad. <laughs> this would be hugely trading up. Yeah. But you did see that movie. It was called Red State.
2: Gotcha. Ah, very good, Kelly Wand. <laughs> well, can we can we talk about anything that we liked about it? Because there were a couple things I kind of liked about it.
1: I'm not sure.
2: I got no, it. I like some stuff, too. But dingus right. goes. Yeah, what do you guys got? Uh I I liked the way the film tried to um edit the political speeches against some of the political machinery that was going on within his campaign. Uh I didn't like it's hard for me to talk about things I liked without immediately talking about things I didn't like like uh, you know he's giving the Kumbaya speech and then um Philip Seymour Hoffman and Ryan Gosling are Talking against a gigantic American flag. But, but there's a couple of moments where it's just like people walking and, and he's talking and they're, and they're kind of editing those things. And, and I did like the, the, um, the tying the tie thing because she starts tying his tie and I'm sitting there going, she, what's, what's this 20 year old teenager? Uh, Doing 1930s she, comedy bits. Is she is she twenty or year, twenty years old or a teenager? I don't know. Uh, and then he says, "You don't know how to tie tie." I liked that. Sure, that yeah, was all right. I I don't know if that's supposed to be like his goal Friday or an abortion drama, but I liked that little moment. Uh, there's not much I can do with this film. I didn't care for the score. I didn't care for that, but I liked that little moment. Uh, I like.
1: Marissa Tomei. National treasure, Marissa Tomei. I didn't care for her in this movie, but uh, I like her. So I'll, I'll, give, I'll give the movie that. They cast Marissa Tomei. I did like uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's loyalty is the most important thing speech. Like, if I were to pick one part out of this movie where I was like, yeah, this, that's, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of waking up, this movie. It's it's stirring
0: awake. Uh, it was Philip Seymour Hoffman's little monologue. It's a cool scene, but that's the first thing I, I predicted correctly. Like, oh, it was Hoffman leaked it. And then ah. afterwards I predicted, oh, well, Gosling should just blackmail. It's like every, I was ahead of the movie, so I was kind of like, really? I'm smarter than this movie. <laughs> I don't go to the thrillers, so the first thing I think of is exactly what happens, I think. <laughs> You're supposed to fuck with my head, not just do whatever I yell at the screen. And also, intern scandals are so 97. <laughs> they really are, aren't they? Yeah. That's what feels dated, yeah. He should have, like,
1: uh, yeah, like if he'd maybe posted naked pictures of himself on Facebook, that would have been, like, you know. Topical. Very topical.
0: But even that's, you know what else, too? It's like any sex scandal... And this was true of that Joan Allen movie, The Contender, with Gary Oldman. Remember that thing? It was also a sex scandal. It's like that's the only safe scandal I've noticed in these movies. That they go, it's like it's never about an issue where the movie would take a position, like China syndrome. Like they never go, okay, it's a nuclear power debate or something. It's like, oh, she had sex with someone, and it wasn't a, a. Who cares? I wish I could
1: remember what was the scandal. I mean, other than Warren Beatty flipping out, I don't think that had, yeah, like I don't think he had a skeleton in his closet in Bullworth. He just got fed up and flipped out and ran off with Halle Berry to a rave. If I'm not and mistaken, wrong,
0: and then he became more popular. Wasn't that the twist? Yeah, you know what? Just like uh, Adjustment Bureau with Matt Damon. What was in the the one where Michael <laughs> Douglas and Annette Bening? Bang.
2: What was the what was the uh, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the American president? <laughs> that
0: they were very <laughs> yeah. The one that Sharon Sto- that Rob Reiner thanked Sharon Stone for inspiring in the muse. Like, oh, thanks for the American president. Uh, I Which, was, by geez, the way, nothing. the the
2: political stuff in the Adjustment Bureau I preferred to this. Uh, <laughs> it was <wow>. more nuanced. It's <laughs> painful. Oh, uh, uh, you hate it. Ah, oh, Dingus really hates. Uh, I, I got uh, increasingly annoyed, and I just kept. You know, as soon as the abortion showed up, or or the the for the pregnancy after, I was just like, really, is this where we're going? It just felt like that that sad moment in William Goldman's career where he's writing these awful pot boilers, and it just, oh, it was just just became disgusting. And I just kept wondering, why are you guys doing this? You know, what you know, I, I have no problem with the word interesting as related to this particular topic. Right? Uh, you know, what you know, why doesn't if Ryan Gosling's character, if Stephen is really this true believer, then he doesn't get involved with the intern. He does. He makes right. a whole bunch of other choices, and then his fall from grace makes more sense. But he, I never he believed sucked him. all along. He was, I never believed he was this this pure as driven snow guy. You know, as far as the political process was concerned, because because even if he's not a religious guy, he's not going to do the things that are stupid. Right. I don't understand what that character is supposed to be. And maybe part of it is the problem of, of just seeing him in the driver. I don't know what the problem is, but drive he, does, he doesn't work in this at all for me. Yeah. You well, know, what's I, bad writing too, is, uh,
0: she, I just thought as well, was talking, uh, she, uh, She's supposed to be freaked out because she's about she's asking uh, the governor for abortion money, but that's the same day she chooses to be all sexy and like fun loving and carefree with Ryan Gosling. Like she's super happy and cheery and flirty in his office. But shouldn't she be tensed out a little bit because it's that day that she has she's doing, she's you're, making her move. You're
1: expecting far too much from the script, Kelly Wand. She's really,
2: a, it's, she's a twenty year old teenager.
1: <laughs> uh, we, I noticed too at one point. Uh, Max Minghella, who, by the way, I can't stand that guy. He's so annoying. Uh, He points out that uh, he describes to the audience a scene, and I'm like, oh, wait, why didn't we get to see that scene where Ryan Gosling apparently, quote, unquote, goes ape shit when he's told that he's right. And I was like, well, wait, that sounds like a cool scene. Maybe we could have written that and put it in the movie Uh. instead of having Max Minghella come out and tell us about it. Yeah.
0: and I just was- assumed he was lying. I thought, oh, he's, he's, he's skewing it so he can bang H- Ed and Rachel Wood like everybody else is. Oh, really? Yeah. That's what I thought.
1: I do. Oh, well, I'm way dumber than this movie. <laughs> or well, we're they did, way dumber. They did something similar with that, and I, I, I don't know, maybe in a better movie it would have worked, but the thing where Philip Seymour Hoffman gets called over to George Clooney's SUV, and they just hold the long shot of the SUV parked in the alley while Philip Seymour Hoffman gets in – and it's almost like you're thinking, well, are they forgetting to cut? Is this supposed to be a stylistic
2: choice? It's supposed uh, to be ominous. Uh, yeah. I was is hoping it, for a muzzle flash. Right,
1: exactly. Is, the, is, uh, the, right, uh, is, is something going to happen? Is the car going to start rocking? Explode.
0: Uh, the car just blows up and they're all dead. Because <laughs> Clooney had to kill off everyone who knew, and Gosling's in it too.
1: Right? It's that kind of movie language, though. It's like, why is this uh, holding? And obviously it's because it wants to be...
2: I, I don't know what it is. It's a stylistic choice. Yeah, and they it want wants to be sh- Michael Clayton. It's trying to be Michael Clayton. Uh-huh. Mm, it's trying to have that. I guess sort so. of, I guess that so, yeah. sort of. Uh, I don't know. I, how does how does uh, Jeffrey Wright's Thompson show up at the river? <laughs> what the fuck is that scene at the river? <laughs> uh, Where the fuck does that come from? Well, you know, he walks up and says, "I want to be on the ticket." Do you have anything else to say? I'm going to touch your knee now. All right, see ya. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't wait for an answer, either. He goes, all right, let me out of
0: there.
2: He also has a weird line. I was like, hey, Stella, uh, bring me the ice bucket. Cut. What the fuck is going on with Jeffrey Wright in this movie?
1: The same thing as source code. <laughs> That's my yeah. theory. Jeffrey he's Wright. The same yeah, sure. just jumping rails right and left. I really thought he said ass bucket. i I didn't know what that was i forgot that i was confused by what what is an ass bucket and why is this like i thought it was some colloquialism or something i was supposed to understand so he did ask for an ice bucket uh
2: i think it sounded like ass Or tom's right (laughs) (laughs) okay and
1: racist maybe that's some colloquialism (laughs) that certain democratic senators have they have their ass right
2: did the river even happen what the what the fuck that's one of those scenes news and he doesn't know that steven has been fired and now he's got yeah. to see the river and it seems is totally bad uh,
0: dingus get that out of my face get what? your way he doesn't know he's fired out of my face and into this thing it's, it's
2: not in your face
1: finish the line dingus you have to say the whole line
0: respect the audience dingus embrace the mystery
1: uh, is no one going to join me in celebrating Sherlock Holmes' Throne of Shadows?
2: I do want to. I do want to say one. <laughs> uh, See what Tom did. <laughs> uh, I'm going to totally ignore your improv. Uh, I right. like that. Uh, that Paul Giamatti did quote or did reference one of my favorite films from this year.
1: Paul Giamatti in Ides of March referenced one of Dingus' favorite films this year. Not that Avatar was 0 Yeah, yeah, Avatar was last year, Dingus. Yeah. Favorite film, was that where he says, uh, I don't know, I don't know, Kelly Wand. Do you have any idea what Dingus is talking about?
0: His favorite movie of the year was Hannah. Wasn't it? That's the only movie he's seen that I know. I think he
1: said one of my favorite movies, and I don't think Paul Giamatti references Hannah.
0: Well, Rushmore was last year,
1: and Phantom Menace was last year. And it must be a horrible bosses reference. Dingus was hugely fond of horrible
0: bosses, right? Cause he doesn't work. So to him, it's funny that anyone has a boss.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I don't think there were that many pop culture references that I can recall. Dingus, what movie does Paul Giamatti reference? Uh,
2: in the scene where, uh, where Steven comes to beg for a job, Paul Giamatti says, this is a win-win situation for me. One two three,
0: not only you and me, i between come, one, two, three, be poem, yeah.
2: Three,
0: loves, I thought I had that joke in the synopsis, I guess I cut it out. I thought of that too. But then I thought, oh it's 50-50, win win, and then I got, it. I don't remember, too much math. <laughs> Let's do a three oh, by three. Speaking of math, yeah, I don't want to talk
2: about that movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: this week's three by three.
2: I'm so mine. annoyed. With so you. I will I'm, so, I'm so annoyed with you. What?
0: With me? Why? With Tom? How can anyone be annoyed at Tom? Is it because of all
1: those Christina Aguilera pictures I've been sending you?
2: Oh, dude, I've been using those. No, it's because I didn't think to remove something from the table. I really should have. I should have pulled a uh, King of the Hill on you and, and forced you to take something off the table. But... For this
1: week's 3x3? Three three?
0: Yeah. Oh, they have six on the table in yours?
1: Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Dingus, but I don't think it's any of my choices. So,
0: yeah, um, I they're all awesome. I don't think this just,
1: let, me, awesome. let, me, yeah, let me introduce this topic. Uh, this is your, your best post coital lines in a movie uh i introduced it by taking off the table uh the line from fight club where helena bottom carter says to brad pitt i and i apologize for the language she says this not me she says i haven't been fucked like that since grade school and there's a lot oh, back- <laughs> oh my god i know oh. i'm sorry i'm sorry
0: oh, uh, i'm uh, supporting i just i'm <laughs> feeling dizzy right now <laughs> uh so what i
1: want from you guys are your favorite uh, instances of, of postcoital coital dialogue uh, dingus for folks who may not know why don't you explain what postcoital means
2: it means after darth vader says he's luke's father that's not what that means uh that's what you said last week you told me i was right about that <laughs>
0: that was more of a hand job <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: Did, well Did I see well, what i do uh diggis so what do you should did you what should be taken from the table is that something that you put on your list should you tell us what you're talking about now or save
2: it no you'll you'll find it out right. uh, is you, it on your list your reaction like leads to believe that i was wrong to wrong to freak out but as i was watching films this week i thought oh man i should have taken this off the table i should have forced time to take this off the table. all of mine are kind of obscure
1: so i don't i don't know what you could be talking about and then, plus i don't think they actually have sex in avatar that's not technically
0: post-coital so right. That's use- virtual set. So. Like what I had with Christina Aguilera's uh, fat picture last night after you sent it to me. Wait, are we recording right now? <laughs> Kelly Wand, she's not fat. She's just uh, big bumped. Kelly Wand, you
1: are introducing next week's 3x3, so you will be going first. Uh, why don't you tell us your number three favorite example of post-coital dialogue?
0: I like these because you just say the line, and then we can just keep... We don't have to talk about it for nine hours. Like, yo, oh, the blue screen, and then also... What Dingus meant? Sam Worthington, right? Zoe Saldana.
2: Wait, I thought he slept with Sigourney Weaver. I just want you guys to know that the 3D in that movie makes it real sex. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think uh, because they're doing it with the, with their ponytails or whatever the fuck, it's still real sex because it's 3D? So suck it. Ponytails don't mean
1: not sex with trees. Kelly wasn't pet. When you do that voice, Kelly Wan, it makes me think of the trailer for uh, Paranormal Activity 3. Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, wah, wah. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Kelly Wan, what is your number three choice uh, for your favorite instance of, of post-coital dialogue in a movie?
0: Do you think James Cameron, this isn't the line, by the way, it's never <laughs> stupid. <laughs> but while Dingus was talking, which is where I usually do most of my thinking. <laughs> for some, he's like being in the shower listening to Dingus talk, if you will. Whoa. Uh, oh, oh. Or or driving. And the seatbelt. Never mind. Anyway, so, do you think James Cameron had sex somewhere blue, like when he was a teenager? And so that's why all his movies are blue, because he's like, it it keeps him awake when he's directing. Could be.
1: I'm guessing more it had something to do with the future room.
0: I thought it was an igloo. (laughs) Anyway, here's my number three. Best post-guidal line. Okay, name the movie, because I thought this was a great line. I thought it was the best line in the movie. Oh, uh, that really hit the spot. Could you say it again, ah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> okay, pretend that's, pretend that's sex ending, my clearing my throat, which in some circles. <laughs> that really hit the spot. No, no, wait, I fucked it up. Yeah, that really hit the spot. Go. Uh,
1: I don't think that's going to help us, Kelly Wan. So
0: what movie is that from? Jackie Brown. Remember or De Niro... Uh... <laughs> with Bridget Wanda. oh my yeah. god <laughs> and that's what he says afterwards she's all oh that was so great oh god and he's all yeah really hit the spot like huh that's the most emote he's like the uh, non Steve Buscemi assassin in Fargo like he talks that much infrequently I don't know it's just a good thing to say after sex in RL and in that movie it does hit the spot and that's the spot it hit uh, who was her boyfriend in that movie? Because it's like a forbidden... Sam Jackson. Yeah. It's I like Jackie Brown.
1: I have that on my Netflix queue to see again. I've only seen it once. But I remember really liking Jackie Brown and feeling like it, it felt way more... uh so sophisticated than a quentin tarantino movie should like it just felt much more true to, to actual characters rather than just cool dialogue and i have no problem with cool dialogue cool actors doing cool dialogue which is a lot of what tarantino
0: stuff is but there's a I lot think, of good dialogue in it too
1: well it's also from other source material which i think shows um it's, it's right. either
0: El leonard or L- leonard elton right <laughs> evan rachel hellroy eastwood edgar hoover <laughs> But I really oh, yeah. like Jackie Brown, so that's a that's a good pick. Dingus, do you also that pick? Oh,
2: definitely, I love Jackie Brown.
0: Good. I like it when she's teaching him how to smoke pot, and uh, he's, she's all, "No, you, you got to hold it and cough because uh, it's healthier for you because air gets in your lungs, or in this case, smoke. <laughs> <laughs> so it's healthier." Uh, like and that. didn't
1: Jackie Brown, I'm, I love her, I may love be misremembering, remembering, but isn't that also one of those uh, movies, like a romance, where the two leads never kiss?
0: No? Yeah. No, 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 they do kiss. He, she kisses Robert Forrester at the end, that's all he gets for... Uh, okay, like, so it doesn't apply. Rats. Okay,
1: I don't like Jackie Brown as much anymore. Well, you want to see Robert Forrester get something. You know what, I, that's
0: true, that's true. I feel bad for him. guy. Um, I uh, I don't know. The only thing about Jackie Brown, it, it's like I get the sense Tarantino has an understandable hard on for Pam Greer, and that it's a little distracting in a way from the plot. Because <laughs> you can picture him looking at her. Never mind. Go on. I'd rather You're not. Like, for that.
2: All right. That's fine. That's I think.
1: Dingus, what is your number three choice for your favorite uh, post coital
2: dialogue? All right. Here's the line. Okay. Really? really? Thank you, brother. If my examination is over, get the fuck out of here while I get dressed.
0: Uh, uh, Desmond and Lost, talking to Jack Shepard?
1: It sounds more like he was doing something from Devil's Double, but I don't remember anything like that. Uh, or Devil. Did,
2: what is that from? It's from a little movie that I referenced last week called Eastern Promises. Oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's the hooker. Who's an yeah. actual hooker. Right. Uh It's the moment where, okay, so uh, Carol, who's played by Vincent Cassell, um, is the son of a Russian gangster. And he's about to recommend his right-hand man, Nikolai, who's played by Hugo Mortensen, to his father, the gangster. But before he does this, he demands that Nikolai have sex with one of the girls at this brothel where they're at. And it's really just an excuse for, uh, for Carol to watch his friend having sex because, you know, he's got whatever he's got going on. And so Viggo Mortensen has this awful—I mean, awful—sex scene with this poor Russian prostitute or Ukrainian prostitute, I should say. And then when he's done, he, you know, uh, Vincent Vincent Canell, you know, tells him he did a very good job. And and uh, Viggo Mortensen says, "Really, thanks a lot. Now get the fuck out."
0: <laughs> Why is that? Uh, did you just like it because the movie's good, or is that like the awesomest line ever to say after sex?
2: Uh, it's not, uh, these, I didn't choose these as things that I would want to say after sex. That's not how I looked at the list. It's just a great post-coital line.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I have more questions for Dingus about sex,
0: but.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we'll save it for the runners-up. We'll have a we'll have a, con- we'll a roundtable afterwards. Get it? Post-coital roundtable <laughs> after the post-mortem. My number three, I'm not going to just do the line, because I, I kind of like the circumstances of it. It's from a movie called Happiness. Uh, Todd Solins directed it. Uh, there are so many fantastic lines in Happiness, uh, but this particular one is from a, uh, there are multiple character sort of plot through lines. Uh, ben Gazzara plays a, an elderly divorcee. He's finally leaving his wife, Louise Lasser. Uh, and after he's left her, he takes up with a woman named Elizabeth, uh, the actress's name is Elizabeth Ashley, uh, who's this kind of hoarse voiced husky, older woman. And they're both old people. I mean, there's nothing glamorous about it. And so he's left his wife, and he has his first sexual encounter after his marriage with Elizabeth Ashley. It's, uh, it's ugly. It's, it involves a lot of uh, gasping. It's not one of these sort of sex scenes that you look at and think, oh, it's kind of hot. Um, and afterwards, Ben Gazzara looks utterly stricken. And Elizabeth Ashley says to him, "Don't, don't feel guilty." And his response is, "I don't, I don't feel anything," <laughs> uh, which I just love. I mean, there's so many just uh, just perf- there, there's so many lines in Happiness that that encapsulate Todd Solon's sort of nihilistic message, <laughs> and that's certainly one of them. Uh, where she says, "Don't, don't feel guilty," and he says, "I don't, I don't feel anything." But you have to imagine Ben Gazzara saying it. Um, all right, so that's my number three, Kelly Wand. We are down to your number two. What is your number two choice for your favorite post-coital?
2: So, yep. so you're you're choosing both those lines, right? I am because... two lines. Okay, that's cool. Well, it, well, the um, the topic is best post-coital lines, so yes. those are those are your yeah. that's your choice for this one. Is uh, don't don't feel guilty. I don't. I don't. Feel... All right. Cool. So Wait, are, are, are you guilty what? about doing two lines?
1: Uh what is this actual topic again? Tell me
2: again. Three best postcoital lines.
0: I see.
1: And what's the letter at the end of the word line there? I believe that's an S.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that could mean three best lines. That's what it sounds like. So you're at it's like now it's four, isn't it? Minimum. Just saying. All People right. care. Internet cares. Podcast, huge thing. Movie. Us. Whose turn is it? <laughs> Yours. you Kelly
1: Wand, what's your number two what's your favorite uh, I just second? like
0: that movie, you know my favorite post line from happiness is you guys watch leno last night
2: remember that woman that's really more pillow talk i think i know
0: because that's when leno really uh that's the secret to his success okay here's my number two I know we've only known each other four weeks and three days, but to me it seems like nine weeks and five days. The first day seemed like a week, and the second day seemed like five days, and the third day seemed like a week again, and the fourth <laughs> day seemed like eight days. And the I don't, day- I, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to guess it's the jerk. No, I was like close. And- That's all right. And the fifth day, you went to see your mother, and that seemed just like a day. And then you came back, and later on the sixth day in the evening, when we saw each other, that started seeming like two days. So in the evening, it seemed like two days spilling over into the next day, and that started seeming like four days. So at the end of the sixth day on into the seventh day, it seemed like a total of five days. And the sixth day seemed like a week and a half. I have it written down somewhere, but I can show it to you tomorrow if you want to see it.
1: Now, is that something that you said that would be in a movie if it were ever made, or is that from an actual movie that's already been made? Oh, it is from The Jerk. I thought you said something else.
0: Sorry. Oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah. I'm so proud of myself. I got to make...
2: You jerk. You jerk. You're such a jerk.
0: But the, yeah, but, but, yeah, but Tom did two lines, and it his two lines felt... The first line felt like a line, and then the second line he did for his... This is a monologue. How dare you? See, I didn't waste people's time with two lines. I only did one line. <laughs> That's a good one, Dingus. Did you
1: make sure to write all that down? Dingus is taking the minutes for this podcast. So, Dingus, did you get all of that, or
0: just Kelly need to do I can what repeat it? again? I to repeat it because we that you like, couldn't. I mean, rewinding it's such a pain in the ass. I could just say it again, and then that way the listeners could hear it twice, and then it'll feel like they heard it three times. But the first time, it'll feel more like a day. To whom is the line said, Kelly Wand? Bernadette Peters is corpse like, but then he says something funny in uh, "Man with Two Brains" too with Kathleen Turner, but she's awake, so it's not as good. Well, is Bernadette Peters like cast to has to pretend she's asleep and not <laughs> laughing while he talks, which I think would have been really hard to do. So, kudos to Bernadette Peters.
1: Whatever became of Bernadette Peters, by the way? What's she
0: been doing lately? Is she I, don't know, a I miss TV her. Show or something. Was... I miss her too. Now that it, now that she now that you mention her, the last time I think I saw her was Pink Cadillac, which is kind of a minor Peters. But she was uh, I don't know, a. <laughs> Dingus, have you been keeping up with Bernadette Peters? Where where is she these days? There's no new Bernadette Peters either. Like, we don't have this generation's
2: Bernadette Peters. I believe she's on Broadway. Is that true?
1: Oh, good for her then. Okay, I like that. Uh, The new Bernadette Peters, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead.
2: No. Okay.
1: (laughs) I'm just trying to psych myself up for the thing next week.
0: Do you wonder if Emma Stone – or no, wait. Do you wonder if Lindsay Lohan dreams of killing Emma Stone? Like, oh, if it wasn't for her.
1: Mm, no, I don't. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> because what is your number two choice for your favorite post-coital lines or dialogue or monologue?
2: All right. The the line is this. I, I don't think you guys are will get it, but I'll go ahead and give it to you first. Uh-huh. I, mean, I mean the line. All right, here it is. Yes, you can go now. Wait,
0: wait, 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 I know this one.
2: It's from, uh, no, I don't know it. Uh, no, it's I don't now. think you do. Wait. It's, it's from a Steven Soderbergh film from 1989 called Sex Lies and the And, uh, the moment is, um, the first time Cynthia, who is played by Laura and Giacomo, um, She's had her, uh, her, con- her confessional taping moment with, uh, with Graham, who's played by James Spader. Um, and she calls up her lover, her sister's husband, Peter Gallagher, who's, who's Peter Gallagher, exactly. And she says, get your ass over here. Uh, and he gets over there and the, the sex scene is, it's just like, it's basically two shots. It's just him saying, you're on fire today. And uh, then her lying down next to him going, yes, you can go now. Uh, it, it's just she, she needs to get off and, and she's done and you can, you can get out of here. Uh, and I, I just think that the way she does that, the way the hair is plastered against her face, uh, the way she says the line is just so freaking hot. Mm-hmm. So unlike my first one, uh, this one is, is, is hot and sad at the same time. <laughs> sad. What's sad about so, it? She's having it, sex with her sister's husband. and But it
0: was awesome. Well, it's... But she's really having sex with James Spader in her mind. Yeah, yeah. So that's okay. Then they work it out. But dude, remember when she goes, uh, is that for me? Remember?
2: <laughs> Very good. Uh, Dingus, you know where,
1: where is Laura San Giacomo today?
2: Ugh. Uh, she works. I, I know actually where she is, and I see her every now and then. So I'm not going to answer that question. The gym, kickboxing
0: class. Yeah. Wait, do you think she has nightmares about Marissa Tomei? Like, if it was for her.
2: No, I think she she's very much involved with uh, with education and special education, and she's a really good advocate for education. But she's awesome I'd, in this movie.
0: I'd tape that. <laughs>
1: Uh, I wish she was on Broadway uh, with wish. Bernadette Peters. Uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine Tom. That? All right.
0: Sorry,
1: What's your number Thank two, Tom? You. This is My a great topic. Is a, a movie that neither. Oh no, Dingus has seen, but won't remember this line. Uh, this is a movie called Three Priests that we talked about when uh, we talked about Red State, because the one of the main actors in Red State, a fellow named Michael Parks, is amazing in Three Priests. Uh, Three Priests is kind of a I think I described it as like a Montana Gothic kind of story. It's very Shakespearean in a way. Uh, And the precipitating event that screws everything up in Three Priests, it's ultimately a a tragedy, uh, is these two people having sex. Um, And throughout the course of the movie, uh, and I love movies that pull this off well, uh, there's a brush fire that is moving towards one of the – families' houses, and this is mentioned a few times, and you can see smoke in the distance. Uh, And the sort of human drama is set against this encroaching brush fire, and it's a cool metaphor for everything that's going to get unleashed when this event happens. Um, So this line isn't going to make much sense if you just say the line. It's in the context of the movie, and it even sounds a little corny if I explain it to you, but I think the movie earns it, and it works well. So after these two characters, played by Aaron Duffy, who is kind of bad, but it's 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 perfect for the role, and a young lady named Julia Jones, who is really good, uh, after they have sex in a car, and it's a sort of a, an abrupt, ill-advised situation, uh, he looks up out the window, and he says, I can see the fire from here. And it's kind of a cheesy line, but it really works, I mean, because you know it's about a brush fire, and the brush fire is, of course, a metaphor for what's going to happen, uh, but it really works for me. Uh, And when I watched Three Priests recently, after having to sit through Red State, uh, that's what sort of inspired this topic. It's it's sort of a bold line, but I really like how it works in Three Priests. And, man, I love that movie. I mean, that movie's got its shortcomings, but uh, I like it a lot. So there you go. My number two is I Can See the Fire from Here.
0: Hmm. So it's like an allegory, huh? No. no. <laughs> uh, but you know, I think of uh, what's it. There's a terrible Neil Labute
1: movie called Lakeview Terrace, which is about uh, Patrick Wilson and Samuel L. Jackson not getting along. Uh, over over racial issues, and they live out in sub suburb of Los Angeles, and there's a brush fire that is that is moving towards their really nice houses throughout the movie, and it's a more clumsy version of of, of that kind of thing. Is you know racial tensions are going to erupt, and <laughs> there's going to be yeah, it's going to be like a brush fire of racial tension. And sure enough, it's about this this fire moves towards their houses in the climax of the movie, which is really stupid. Takes place as their houses are are burning down. I think. Um there's also a movie not not Black Dark Knight or what the heck is it called? It's Kurt Russell and it's set against the backdrop of the LA riots. Blue Knight?
2: Blackout, maybe. Yeah. No. Wait, it's the blue, riot. It's blue LA. <laughs> it is Blue Something, actually.
1: Yeah, like not Blue Steel. That's the Catherine Vega. But anyway, that does a similar thing at the end of the movie with the riots. Uh, so I like when movies can do that, some sort of dramatic environmental shift, and then the, the movie's set to the backdrop of that. By the way, uh, not to spoil Well, you know what? I won't say anything because it would spoil it. <laughs> so I won't mention another movie I was going to mention. So there. You know what? I, I will mention it because it's not saying – no, I'm not going to. Never mind. <laughs> uh, no one. <I'm>, like, hmm. <laughs> just suffice to say, there are other movies like that.
2: Uh, if you and can if think you see, of any, right.
1: yeah. If you can think of any, uh, uh, tweet Kelly Wand because Kelly Wand, you use Twitter a lot, so you can uh, check your, your your twits and see what people have to say.
0: I stopped following myself on it. So why and I choice. don't? I don't like myself on Facebook anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kelly Wand, what is your number one choice for your favorite? post It's dark blue. Sorry. I just... Dark blue, yes. Yes. I thought there was something about a knight in there, but uh, I think that that sounds much better, Dingus. Although, no, you know what? It doesn't sound better. That's a stupid title. Dark blue? Because it's like the color of their uniforms,
2: I guess. Maybe it's not dark blue, then.
1: What? Dark blue is that thing where uh, Beatrice Dahl is having sex oh. uh, a lot.
2: All right, I thought that was the Kurt Russell thing. All right, it's blue something. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, dark dark that was magic.
1: Wait, wait, dark blue is the one where the guy is di- deep water diving, holding his breath with Rosanna, and Rosanna Arquette is his girlfriend.
2: <laughs> no, wait. That's the one with the big smart sharks, dark blue sea.
1: <laughs> no, that's the one with a dolphin with the prosthetic tail. Ah, dark. No, no, that's men in dark. <laughs> Kelly, what is your number one choice for a uh, favorite post-coital dialogue? This, so this would be your your instance of the best – post
0: dialogue in a movie ever go it is that but uh while dingus was talking i thought of something mm-hmm. <laughs> hey uh you know why i left facebook i do oh. <laughs>
1: but I, right. it's a rhetorical question why don't you tell us why you left facebook why is kelly Wan no longer on
0: facebook it, there's no hate option hmm <laughs> All right, here's the best line ever said after sex in a movie. And I actually think that it, th- this is that. I consider this the greatest line ever written in a movie for a character to say after sex. Ever. <laughs> I defy you to name that uh, I just don't know what is it about good sex that makes me have to crap. You really jarred something loose, tiger. And then you hear vomiting and see it. Oh, you guys suck. You're not you're not movie fans. That's I don't know how you guys got a podcast. Oh, weak sauce. Really? Three priests and you haven't seen that come on. You I'm bet you'll have say, to you'll have to tell us what it is. <laughs> it's being said to Woody Harrelson. Is that Kingpin? It's yeah. Kingpin. Oh. <laughs> they don't have sex on Cheers. There's no Tigers and Cheers. Edgar Rice Burroughs. So, Kelly Wand's favorite example of post-coital dialogue is a
1: Farrelly <laughs> Brothers movie. Yes. Starring, starring Randy Quaid. Dennis Quaid. No. Randy
0: Quaid. Yeah. All right. Where's no shark ran- Kelly Wand, where's Randy Quaid these days? Uh, he died when he gave his life bravely in a crop duster uh, against aliens. <laughs> he would be much better off if that it was... And that. he was in Species 2, saying, I warn them not to go to Mars. And then you never see that character again? Like, that's his... He, he survived the independ- – see, it's my – every character you see in a movie is every other character they've been. So it's like Evan Rachel Wood and Miss Marissa Tomei in Ides of March are both playing themselves from The Wrestler. Like She's become a reporter. Like, Mickey York's death turned Marissa Tomei from stripping into journalism. Hmm. That, so that's why it's the best post coital line. Who says it, though? Uh, Lynn Shea, the landlady at the beginning. Because he uh, doesn't have the rent money, and he tried to scam her by having a guy rob her purse, but it was really his friend, so he could return the purse. So she'd, uh... But then she saw the guy in his apartment afterwards, and then oh. he pretended, so he threw hot coffee, and then the guy jumps through the window, and he <laughs> dies. <laughs> so then he has to have sex with the landlady to get out of paying rent, and then it makes him vomit, because she says the line about a tiger loose in her crap.
2: And, and wanting to crap. That's so
0: yeah. grody. That's you don't use that wine? I've used that. that. What grody? Oh. <sighs> Dingus, <laughs> get, get us out so, of this. What is your number
1: one choice for favorite postcoital dialogue? Coital?
2: What, what are you, 12? Gotcha. <laughs> All right, here's my number one choice. Sorry about that. It's just been so long since I've done it with a boy.
0: Oh, uh, that's mine.
2: You've
0: never seen this movie. Airplane Two, Peter Graves. Wait, uh, the Champ. Uh, Benji the Hunted. Uh, Alone Two. I heard that one's pretty intense. So I Uh, I meant to look this up. I
1: don't remember the first line, but this sounds like it might be from Praise. Is that right?
2: Yeah, Praise is. uh, Praise has at least has. I could have chosen three choices from praise, and that's the one I I thought that you were going to go for praise or the other John Curran movie that almost made this, but pray, praise beats out uh, the other movie.
1: Well, what Stop. were some of the other post-coital lines? Do you remember?
2: Well, what I love about is is the progression is that it starts with with uh, Cynthia, uh, who's played by Sasha Horler, saying to um, To Gordon, uh, who's played by Peter Fenton, you know, sorry about that. It's just been so long since I've done it with a boy, and it's it's because she's 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 the girl, and she's come too early, and she just flops over on her side, and then later in the film, the post-coital lines, you bastard, I wasn't anywhere near ready, and then Gordon, Gordon, you sad boy, that's way too fast, shit, that's dead. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I love that movie, and I love that movie's portrayal of sexuality. I'm not sure I would choose those lines of dialogue, though. But those are great, uh, and certainly she's amazing in that. Yeah,
2: I just so love her saying, <laughs> "Sorry about that. It's been so long since I've done it with a boy." Just the, uh, the just that portrayal of, the, of the woman just coming too quickly and then flopping over on her side. I love that.
1: Line. Kelly, Wan, why haven't you seen Praise? I think we've told you multiple times you should
0: see it. I don't see movies uh, with plural titles. It's not praises. It's just one praise. Oh, <laughs> uh, then I'll see it.
1: <laughs> uh, I no. love... There, there are other lines from that, too. I remember uh, when he comes back from being unable to get... Is it unemployment or something? Uh, and he said He can't they,
2: go on the dole because they don't have three.
1: Yeah, they, he said they wanted three forms of ID. Who has three forms of ID? Three?
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. What's and he course, say... Uh, Go
1: on. Sorry. Uh, This was on one of our three by threes for this. Actually, uh, I think I came up with the the topic like lines that should be famous, but aren't Uh, it's when uh, when he's breaking up with her, when when Gordon is breaking up with Cynthia and she finally gives in because she doesn't want him to break up. And he's and he just feels awful. And he says, I'm sorry. And her response to him, which I feel is one of the all time greatest bits of dialogue ever. uh, Her response to him is you'll never be sorry enough.
2: I love that bit. Uh, and she's so good in that. So How can you not how can you not like that, that post quittal line of her telling him, Sorry, I came too soon? I like the
1: I no, it's a fine line. It's uh, it's just not my number one.
2: <laughs> so, I know it's not, but you I've said you wouldn't that. even choo- you wouldn't deign to even choose it.
1: Well I meant to look it up but I don't remember the, the the post-coital lines being as snappy. Well, you know when you hear what mine is,
2: <laughs> ah, I'm right. not going to have any room to speak though. Uh, all right, let's go. Let's move on to yours then.
1: Okay, my number one. It's uh, one of my favorite all-time movie- movies is Ang Lee's Ice Storm. Uh, and as the movie, and I just realized this re-watching it, the sort of the movie coming to a crescendo or, or a climax, if you will, is all of the sets of characters. Coming to these horrible revelations about sexuality, uh, some more horrible than others, but one of them is um, Kevin Klein and Joan Allen are a married couple, and God, I love him so much in this movie he 's so incredibly clueless but well meaning and uh, so he has been busted for having an affair by Joan Allen and by his wife. And they want to put on a a, a sort of a good face, and they're going to go to a neighborhood party that they've been scheduled to go to anyway, even though they've just had this falling out, and even though she's busted him. And he is so completely, like, just, like, like helpless. And the way he even gets caught is so funny. Uh, You know, he he admits that he was at this other woman's house about a completely unrelated detail. And she says, well, what were you doing there? You know, at Janie's house, and he's brushing his teeth, and you can see—I mean, you can see him briefly panic, and then come up with this completely stupid answer, this excuse for why he was there. And you know that that Joan Allen knows he's lying, and it's just this great example of uh, of subtext between actors. You know, the lines aren't saying what's going on, but you can just see it in their eyes and the way they respond to each other. So anyway, he's been busted for having an affair on her. They go to this party. He proceeds to get drunk, and the woman he had an affair with, Sigourney Weaver, is there. And it turns out it's a key party, which is awkward in and of itself. And Joan Allen, just after, after everything coming to a head, goes out to the car with her neighbor, another man, the husband of the woman who Kevin Klein, her husband, had been having an affair with. And they have sex just because she's just at her wit's end. And it's, again, it's a terrible, ungainly scene, and when it's over, the line spoken by the actor Jamie Sheridan, playing a character named Jim, uh, after they've just had sex is, oh, God, that was awful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Been on
1: that date. <laughs> and they both realize it, too, and and it's uh, it's a very brief sex scene, and it's just so ill-conceived and... Uh, everyone knows that it was for the wrong reasons and just this poor guy, Jim, this line afterwards, Oh God, that was awful <laughs> without even looking at her too. He doesn't have to look at her to know that she thinks it was awful.
2: Uh, so, uh this is quite a conglomeration of number ones we have.
0: <laughs>
1: so there you go. That's my uh, favorite. Okay. So runners up. Uh, so dingus, you thought praise should have been taken off the table.
2: Yeah, I figured you would be all over praise, or uh, or we don't live here anymore. I thought you'd be all John me up in this.
1: What's a Let's... what's a good post-coital line from We Don't Live Here Anymore?
2: Well, unfortunately, it's it it walks the line between um, post-coital and pillow talk, which yeah. I know you were trying to avoid. And it's, it's just this, It's the the line I really like is when uh, Naomi Watts says "stinky." She just it's it's <laughs> she just puts her nose in uh, Mark Ruffalo's armpit. And goes, Stinky. Uh, but the, but that I was going to use that as a way of trying to um, sneak in that fine that sex scene where uh, where Mark Ruffalo just goes over to the house and they have sex downstairs while um, while the husband is upstairs sleeping and and it, there's no lines it's just like heavy breathing and looks after they've had sex downstairs while the husband is is asleep upstairs in the morning uh, and I just love the way. The, the, the sex works in this film and and so the, there's not there's no real you, you were you were going for something that said immediately after a postcoital not not we're lying down and we're're we're, right. uh, we're in the falling action you know so it didn't really work <laughs> uh
1: by the way i I looked up and there wasn't a good line afterwards but I looked up another movie that was uh, heavily about sexuality also starring Mark Ruffalo do you know what it is dingus
0: 13 going on and thirty.
2: Is it in the cut?
1: Yes. Uh, I watched parts of in the cut again because there's a lot of great stuff in that and a lot of good dialogue and great. I mean, I, I just it's so weird watching that movie and thinking, wow, look how good Meg Ryan is. Uh, but there was no good like post-coital line like like that, though. Um,
2: the other runner up uh, I had was a, a comedy line and uh, it almost made the list. And it's uh, it's one of my favorite comedy lines uh, post coital comedy lines. Maybe my only favorite post coital comedy line, and it's uh, it's Woody Allen from Annie Hall saying, "As Balzac said, there goes another novel after the first time <laughs> he said he with Annie." Uh,
0: uh, that's
2: a good one. I
0: don't remember uh, that quote. Uh, that's a really good quote for me to not remember. Jeez. Any, any runners-up for you, Kelly Wand? Well, does it count if or uh, in Train Spotting she goes, "If you don't see me again, I'll tell the police." Kind of like that line takes me can, back can you do it in the correct accent if you don't see me again governor i'll tell the police very good kelly One. <laughs> huh Remember? who was that who was that for obi wan kenobi it was <laughs> natalie portman what movie are you talking about <laughs> also in go when the dude's having the threesome and he goes tantra baby does that mean he hasn't had sex yet? So it's not post-carnal?
1: Can't help you there. I don't remember that scene. Hey, I know. Who gives a shit? Those are my alts. Alts, alts. <laughs> <laughs> I have All it. right. Well, uh, Kelly, one, then what is our three by three for next week? Wait, Tom, do you not have any runners-up? I
0: do not. I only picked the three best. All right. Yeah. Tom's very miserly with his sex scene viewings, I as guess- opposed to his Christina Aguilera fat pictures. She's not
1: fat. Why do you keep saying that? Big boned. <laughs> Tell you one, what is next week's three by
0: three? What do you got for us? Oh, uh, I have three options. I will pick one at random. Mm-hmm. And so we can get on with our fucking lives. Uh, three best accidental deaths. But not I'm taking Final Destination off because, A, it's not accidental because death's a murderer. And uh, two, those movies are just montages of accidental deaths. So, and but here's the thing: they don't have to be human deaths.
1: All right, three best accidental deaths. Stingus, do you have any questions about this three by three,
0: or criticisms? No. no, no. You just know there was a worse one I could have done. So you should be glad to get something even this lame. And uh, final destination, all five. How many? Five? Five of them? Yeah, like and you've five. Seen... Final destination, right? I'm a bigger fan than you are, and I've seen fewer of them than you.
1: Um, that's probably why you're a bigger fan. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> see what I did there? Uh, so, and those are off of the table. Okay, Kelly want good. Uh, three best
0: accidental deaths, not necessarily human. Hmm. All right. And, uh, no. But it has to be accidental, which means it has to take place in an atheistic universe. Uh, ah, I see. Uh, free luck. of destiny and luck, <laughs> pure
1: accident. Yes. None of okay. this. God sees even the fall of a sparrow. None of that stuff can enter into the equation. Okay,
0: right. good.
2: Well, that's a good not, thing because I'm not a Christian. I'm not an atheist. I'm not. A, you're not a Muslim.
0: You're not an actor. We're you not going to vote for you, dingus. Yeah. All Ooh. right. Uh,
1: how about next week? We see a prequel. To oh, a John bullet. Carpenter movie. What do you guys think of that? Oh, yeah. I know what could make the thing better. Women characters. <laughs> uh, Kelly Wand, it's a it's a Norwegian Arctic research station. Maybe they have very different standards.
0: Starring you, a brunette actress. And are you saying that women can't be scientists? They can't be Norwegians with dark hair on Antarctica in the year 1982. Now, actually, that's a good point. So is this also a
1: period? But you know what? We'll find out all sorts of of things to consider. Uh, The thing directed by I don't know who the director is starring Joel Edgerton, who we all like on this podcast. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who Kelly is quite fond of (laughs) Thomas Ulrich, a great Danish actor who I'm hugely fond of. And uh, we all love the thing. So what can go wrong?
2: Right? Oh, yeah, I'm so excited. And plus the thing is avail the original thing is available for instant watch, so I get to watch the original thing too. Mm. Oh, I'm so excited.
1: And also, That's- wait, 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 Dingus, when you say the original thing, do you mean the one with the uh, with James Arness or the one with Wilford Brimley?
2: Oh, sorry, I meant the semi-original thing. <laughs>
1: okay. The actually it is truer to the uh What's his name? Not Joseph Campbell. John Campbell.
0: John W. Campbell. Who Goes There was the story. Right. And there's a in the story, They all, there's a, it's like 30 dudes, and then they do the blood test in the story. And then when someone's guilty, like they all like club the guy to death like 30 <laughs> times. It's really good. Uh, I like that. I,
1: I was at a, f- a flea market kind of thing several months ago, and I, I was looking over all of these awesome paperback novels from science fiction novels from, like, the, I don't know, the 60s or whatever, with these beautiful covers, and they were all, like, you know, 30 cents or whatever. And I ended up buying on a lark one of them. Uh, which had just, it was one of those reversible ones where the, if you turn it one way, it's a book, and then you turn it over the other way, and there's a whole other book that you can start from that in. So it's like a two-in-one book. And they, it right. had great artwork, like a cool spaceship on one side and this sort of tentacled monster on the other side. And I bought it home for the artwork mainly, but just on a lark, I started reading it. And I don't advise that. It was, it's, it's terrible. But the funny thing is, it had been sitting by my bed for the longest time. After a while, I was like, you know, that name sounds familiar. And it was Campbell. What was was his name, Kelly Wand?
0: John W.
1: Yeah, John W. Campbell, the guy who wrote Who Goes There, the original one, who when I then looked him up, because I only knew of him as the writer of Who Goes There, he was this hugely seminal figure in – in like this early weird sci-fi stuff like he ran mm-hmm. uh so that that guy's uh yeah just a,
0: a big he, his main contribution to the field was as an editor because yeah, he just, yeah. and like uh tough loved a lot of writers into really stepping up their game and improved the quality but i don't think i think who gives there was his one great story maybe. well i can say that a, a book called the planeteers that he wrote i
1: don't uh, i don't uh, yeah i don't recommend it so <laughs> Uh, all right, so we'll be seeing The Thing next week. We'll be doing a three-by-three three of our favorite accidental deaths. Maybe there will be an accidental death in The Thing that we can actually use in the three-by-three. Three. That's never happened, by the or way. Or during the
0: podcast, which has happened every week, figuratively, when I it's do the synopsis. It's
1: <laughs> like a metaphorical accidental death. See what I did there? See the fires <laughs> over there, because three priests are in the room with us. Tell one, really? you should see that movie.
0: Mm, too, many, too much math.
1: And it is, but, it is it is it is plural, because there are multiple priests, so you're right. I know you don't like that in a title. Uh, all right, I am Tom Chick. I've been joined this week by Christian... Oh, God. Uh, Mar- Marinets, Christian Marinetsky.
2: It's Christian Morosky.
0: And Kelly Wand. Uh, t- Body Switch movie Tom's Hand and My Face. Oh! Mm. Yeah. Mm. What the hell? Yeah. So I'm going to put you down for a while. I, I can't
2: quit you,
0: babe.
1: Perfect. <laughs> hmm. Dingus, why would you go, what the hell, when someone plays Led Zeppelin?
2: Yeah, racist... Uh, because I it made me think the fact that I don't think they credited the dude who sang at the piano bar at the beginning of Eyes of March. Who was that, Dingus? I don't know.
0: Remember this the guy? marching.
2: No. Oh. It was not Eric.
0: There's a junior. It was Robert Plant. Um, Robert Plant. You know I love you, baby. <laughs> My love for you, I could never hide. Those lyrics are dumb. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh. He uh- <clears throat> just reached behind me and closed the door. <laughs> Popcorn trick.